your Bibles, would you turn to 1 Peter? I would really encourage you to bring your Bibles um, every week. I know we can find it on our app. Yes, you can go to our app and the Grace Capital Church app and find the Bible on there, but there's something about a physical Bible that you can underline, that you can take notes. I also encourage you to bring a notepad with you. The Spirit of God will be speaking to you. You want to jot those things down. We, you do not want to just come here today and be encouraged. That's great, but usually the Word of God not only encourages us, but we have something to give somebody else after that encouragement. I want you to think about a couple things as we go through First Peter together. And each week, I want you to think about who is God and what Peter is saying. Who is God? What is he saying to us? What does that say about humanity? And how should we respond to it? And then who should we tell? And the, and the who should we tell is something that new we haven't talked a lot about. But there's something about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, something about his word that needs to be told to somebody else. And, and if we are thinking about what are we going to share with somebody else, it helps us to say, what is God saying to me? And as I'm learning, you get to share that with somebody else. Well, we are in First Peter. It is a um, new series. We're going to go through First and Second Peter. We'll tackle a chapter um, each time. They're relatively short. First and Second Peter. First Peter only has uh, five chapters, and Second Peter only has two chapters. So we'll get through this series pretty quickly. But it's so rich. Somebody asked me, "Well, why have you chosen coming off your sabbatical? Why First and Second Peter?" I feel like in a world that continually gets um, confusing a world that continues to get seemingly darker. Um, Peter reminds us, and he was reminding the very early church um, who were, was also in a dark time. They were facing persecution. They were Many of them were having to flee. Um, it was Jerusalem was taken over. Um, I can't remember if it was the Babylonians. Probably it was the Babylonians. I can't remember. But they were fleeing into different areas of the countryside. And Peter was sending a letter to them, to give them encouragement, to remind them of not only how to live, but who God is in their life. And I think it's, in this time, it's really important for us to remember that, who God is, and how are we supposed to respond to him and be encouraged by that. So let's just start in 1 Peter chapter 1. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion to Pontus, to Galatia, to Cappadonia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Okay, immediately we know who Peter is writing to. He's writing to the dispersed church, the early church, and he's immediately talking about the Trinity. But before we go there, I think it's important to remind ourselves who Peter is. Peter is the one, and if this is distracting, I don't mind getting a handheld either. So we're good? Okay. So Peter is, is the one, remember who Peter is. Peter was the one who walked on water and then took his eyes off Jesus and started sinking. St. Peter, disciple of Jesus. Peter's the same guy who said, uh, he's kind of passionate, right? And he, he's the guy who, when they were going to arrest Jesus, he cuts off the ear of a uh, soldier, 
That's the same Peter. It's the same Peter who says, I will never deny you. I'll never deny you, Jesus, and then goes and denies Jesus three times. Same Peter. It's the same Peter who was the first one to see the resurrected Jesus. Actually, Jesus comes and finds Peter afterwards and then restores Peter. And he says Peter to Peter um, that he would be the one who would build the church. Peter, that same Peter, now writes a letter to the dispersed Christians that are all in this area that were fleeing, many of them, for their lives because the Christians were being persecuted. But here he goes, he says, to the elect exiles. So in other words, election, this whole idea of election means God has chosen them. And, and the interesting thing about, okay, does God just choose everybody? It's important to know that God does not pick favorites. And he doesn't say, I'm choosing you and not you. His, the Bible says that his heart is that none should perish. None should perish. Right? So all. But elect means... Um, some you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you're elect. All of you who have made a decision to follow Jesus are elect in this room. So he's talking about the Aries he's addressing to. So back then they would take a letter, he would write a letter, and then he would send a messenger, and he would this letter would be read to the early church in all those different towns. But then he says to this, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, so first of all, foreknowledge, God is omniscient, meaning he, he, he is always in every place, but he sees the beginning to the end. And he has the ability to be able to know our life from beginning to end, which is amazing. He knows who are, is going to respond to the gospel and who's not. And so when we talked about predestination, like are our, our, our some chosen, some not? No, he just sees who makes a choice to respond to the gospel. So, so he says, in his foreknowledge of God the Father, so here he's talking about the Trinity, the sanctification of the Spirit, and this is the role of the Holy Spirit. Not only does he empower us, when we ask Jesus into our life, experience that sanctification brings us to peace and joy and fulfillment and purpose. Then he goes, um, so the sanctification of the Spirit and the obedience to Jesus Christ. Uh, this word obedience is uh, a word that, I know kids don't like <laughs> be obedient to mom and dad. But for us as New Englanders, we don't like that word obedience. We, like, we are like, don't tell me what to do. I am a Yankee and I am self-sufficient and I will be, don't tell me what to do. And yet here we are, it's like the scripture tells us to be obedient to Jesus Christ. So what is Jesus asking us to do and how do we live in obedience to that? And then he says, and for the sprinkling of the blood. And last week we talked about the, the power of the blood of Jesus. What he did on the cross for us is what really actually gives us the power to live with freedom, to overcome sin and death, overcome shame and guilt. Wow, all that in first couple verses. All right, now here we go. Verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefined, unfading, undefiled, sorry, unfading, uh, kept in heaven for you. So here he goes and he's talking about this is how you get saved. This is how you are assured of your salvation is through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection 
but what? Christian, but being as a born again. And, and it does not mean we crawl back into mama's womb and we get pushed out again. <laughs> That's not what it means. It means that our, we have a spiritual birth. We're a physical person that, that our life comes in, into existence. At, by the way, at conception, our life comes into existence at conception. That's why we would be like, as a Christian, it would be really hard to be pro-abortion because that's God created that life. We don't want to snuff that out. But then as we come into an existence, we realize that, that he gives us this opportunity to be born. Our spirit becomes born into the kingdom of God where God becomes our father. Jesus is our savior, obedient to his kingdom ways, and the spirit of God empowers us to live for him. But it's a living hope, and this is the beautiful thing of it. It is not a religious duty. It is not like, hey, I've made a decision. Now I've got to go to church. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to like, no, the living hope is like, you know what? He gave me a new life, and he gave me a new purpose, and I'm free from my old sinful ways, and, and now I get to live for him, and would we live for him? I tell you, church, you know this, but sometimes we get, um, we forget it. As followers of Jesus, we should have the most joy of anybody in the world as Christians. And even in trials, he's going to be talking about that. But that verse where it says, consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. See, the trial doesn't mean that your joy should stop. When Audrey and I have gone through a trial of cancer, our joy should have not stopped. Our joy is a living hope, which is saying, we don't know the outcome, but we trust you, God. Our hope. Our living God who is alive and well, not some dead God from 2,000 years ago. You're alive and well by your spirit of God that dwells inside of us. A living hope. Let's continue on. Verse 6. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Can you say trials? Trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, more though it perishes, though it is tested by fire. So in other words, saying trials are actually the very thing that's going to tell you. The trial is the mirror to your faith. If you start crumbling under trials, that's going to tell you something about your faith. If you face various trials, it actually has the opportunity to produce something for your faith that builds you, that encourages you, that produces something like gold, it says, that is refined. We know that gold needs to be refined to be precious, but it's saying even like gold that perishes, meaning gold is not eternal. We are eternal beings. Even if gold needs to be refined and gold is so precious, how much more precious are you? So the next time you face a trial, just know that that trial is actually your friend. I know it doesn't feel good and we want to run away. We want to mask it. We want to loathe in it. We want to woe is me in it. <laughs> we, but consider it joy when you face trials and hear Peter, one who is 
realizing now that the, the church is being persecuted. And I don't know if, if our church is going to face persecution. I don't know if you're going to face persecution. It seems like our world is becoming more anti, our country is even becoming more anti-Christian. And you may be, I would encourage you, be prepared that you all will be persecuted at some time. But that's not a thing to shy away from. It actually produces something beautiful in your life. So it's tested in fire, more precious than gold, tested in fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor the revelation of Jesus Christ. So your trial actually produces more revelation of who Jesus is. Oftentimes when I go through difficulty and I've had difficult circumstances in my life, at the time it's painful, but I look back and I said, I don't want to go through it again, but I am so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for it because it produced something in me. Then it says this, though you have, in verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, Peter saw Jesus, right? He walked with Jesus. He was with Jesus. He saw his death. He saw his resurrection. And now, and, and Jesus restored him. How many people have, you don't have to raise your hand. How many people have wandered away from Jesus? How many people have actually denied Jesus by your actions? All of us, I would say. And in the very midst of that, then he goes on to say, and, and through Jesus Christ, Peter was restored, like so many of us are restored, into this place where we can feel confident in our faith in Jesus Christ, which brings salvation and joy. So verse 10, concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things unto which angels long to look. That statement that angels long to look is fascinating. Have you ever seen that before? What is it? First of all, we know there's angels, right? Um, there's angels, there's demons. Demons are just fallen angels. When Lucifer, who's the head worshiper, decided his pride, like he should have, you know, had better standing or ranking with God, rebelled against God, ended up taking a third of the angels with him. Those are now demons. They're actually just fallen angels. And they're hell-bent to wrap you in selfishness and everything that would entrap you to keep you from living for Jesus, where there's freedom and hope and joy. But what he's saying is, those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, so first of all, if you want to share um, the good news with people, just ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because the Spirit of God who dwells in you, every believer has a Spirit of God in them. Now, some would say, well, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? I would just say, 
you know what? Let's not get hung up on when the Holy Spirit, we know that you're marked by the Holy Spirit when you ask Christ into your life. And then all you need to do is just say every day, I want more of you, God. I want to be more available for you. Use me as a vessel for you and your kingdom. Let me share your good news with people. And by that power of the Holy Spirit, we can share this good news. But what the angels in heaven are longing to look for, I think it's tied to the scripture. I don't know, but I think it is. When, when the scripture says that when one comes to Christ, all of heaven erupts in celebration. When one comes to Christ, just one, all of heaven rejoices because why? Because they know what has happened when one person moves from death to life, from bondage to freedom, that somebody has been set free into experiencing the love of a father in heaven who has a purpose and a plan for their life. And that they're adopted into this family of care and love and that they will forever, their soul for all eternity, will spend time in heaven for all eternity. Another soul has come in, has been rescued from the clutches of darkness and have been come into light. The heavens rejoice. And so the angels look for that. And so they can throw a party for those who have come to Christ. Therefore, now let's, this is, this is, so who's God? Who's God is that he gave Jesus our salvation, as our salvation. To be born again, to be moving from darkness to light. That in our salvation, that we can experience trials, but in our trials, we can have joy. So this is God. We know our response to him is the trials. We can have joy in it because it produces something in faith. And that faith assures us for all eternity, our place in heaven. That's who's God. Now he's saying, what's our response to that? What's our response to that? Not only is it the early church's response, but what is our response today? And here he is saying this in verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Other, other versions would say... Um, Preparing your minds for action, gird up your the loins of your mind, or really another expression that we would know would be like, okay, roll up your sleeves, right? Kind of take action, roll up your sleeves. In other words, hey, let's be intentional about what our mind is thinking. Let's be intentional about what our mind is thinking. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be intentional. Being sober-minded. Watch. Don't let your mind get distracted by this world. Don't let your Talking about distraction. I got this little thing waving around here being a distraction. My apologies. One minute, please. <laughs> uh, let me get this. Oh, my word. Get this thing off. All right. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> I agree that that was a distraction. That's what I'm saying. Okay. We're good. Remove those distractions. Gird up your minds. Be sober-minded. In other words, train your mind. And it, it, it reminds me of Philippians 4, right? Where he's saying, think on these things. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, I think I wrote that down. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable. Think on these things. Our world today wants us to think about different things. 
I'd share with you on sabbatical, I, I had more time to watch some TV and Netflix shows or what have you, and, and time to scroll through Instagram, and I don't have TikTok, but um, Instagram, and it's like, you get on one thing, and then it like keeps feeding you all this content, and it's like, how do we get out of this like vortex of crazy, and I'm just like, wow. I've never, I've never um, introduced myself to so much worldliness, and I, I would say, you know, when I would blush because the F-bomb was used, I mean, you cannot watch a show today that doesn't seemingly have, you know, you've got to be really, really pick your things, right? But like, I used to go on to um, those, those sites where it was like, okay, sexual content, how many swears, whatever, you know, violence, and you know, with kids, it's really important to do that. But even for me, I'm like kind of guarding my mind. But it's kind of like, I was on sabbatical, so I was a little bit less guarded, quite frankly. And, and I was like, wow, this is, this is what our world is coming to. You can't watch a show that doesn't have somebody portraying a same-sex relationship. Or um, it, it just becomes a, is this what our world is? And then it, it starts feeding your mind of saying, this is, this is right, this is normal, this is the way our world works, and, and this is the culture we live in. And then you kind of like get desensitized a little bit. And then you realize, wait a second, I've just actually put myself in the middle of this, and I, 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 needed, to, I needed to purge. <laughs> and I needed to prepare my mind and gird up my mind. I need to roll up my sleeves and be sober-minded because... I wasn't thinking on all these things that were true and honorable and just and pure and lovely. I was thinking about all the other things that the culture wants to entertain us with. That was just a confession, by the way. I just confess to you that I watched some things that maybe, you know, were not so pure for the mind. But I'm confessing to you because, quite frankly, I think I know you guys do the same, right? So... We're in this together because it's hard not to. The culture is so pervasive, right? Okay, let's keep going. As obedient children, here we go again on this obedience. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Basically saying before you knew Jesus, you were living for your own fleshly desires. True? True. We, we didn't have anything else that maybe had a conscience. Maybe we kind of knew what was wrong, but we, we didn't have any power to overcome that. We just gave in to the fleshly desires. But he's saying, as obedient children. See, we've been, when we come into the kingdom of God, and now we're, we're children of, of God, the Most High, we need to learn what the kingdom ways are and be obedient to that. And he's, saying, he's contrasting it to saying, the way that you used to live is probably not going to be the way you're going to keep living. That reminds me of Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing or the washing of your mind. Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed. In other words, don't take the world's shape. Don't become like the world. 
Because when you come to Christ, there is a transformation process called sanctification. There's a process, which by the way, we're all in process. I'm still in process. I'm still a work in progress. And so are you. And that is a transformational process to become more like Jesus. And he's saying, don't be conformed, but be transformed. And he says, how? By, by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Have you ever um, heard the expression, you are what you eat? You are what you eat. I would, like to tr- I would like to shift that a little bit and say, you become what you consume. And now I'm talking about media. I'm talking about what we fill our minds with. Novels, media, movies, social media, right? You become what you consume because why? Your mind is so powerful And the enemy knows it. If you get your mind thinking these things are normal and these things are right and this is the way the world lives and this is you're conforming to the world and he's saying, no, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which means you have to learn how to be obedient to Jesus and his word. By the renewing of your mind, that means you need to train yourself to say, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to consume that because, because what I consume is who I become. And I don't want to be that because it will not be a reflection of who Jesus is. I got an illustration for you, by the way. The scripture says that when we come to Christ, that we're to be salt and light to this world, right? Okay. So here you are. This reflects you. And you are to be this candle, if it will start, I'm sure it will. Here we go. You will. You will. I'm just, I'm just telling it, it needs to behave here. You see, because this wind, this wind. it under a bush show. No, I'm going to let it shine. I'm just trying to protect it for a moment here. It's coming. It's coming. Watch. Just a second. See, this happens. Consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> For with it produces, wow, it really is breezy up here. <laughs> so anyways, let me really let this catch some good, uh, get this wick going here. I think it's a good illustration. If I can get it to work. I'm so glad that there's ability to edit this afterwards. Like, they're just going to take this part right out of this. Okay, here we go. All right, I'm going to give it one more go. If it doesn't go, I'm just going to... 
I know you think that's the answer. It's not the answer. Not for my illustration. Here we go. Almost. Okay, so here's the deal. Oh, it's still going. God bless America. Okay, it is going. So here we go. So here's your life. You're going to get a sneak peek of your life. Here it is. Now it's gone, right? Because, <laughs> All right. I have not stuffed out your life. But, but anyways, this beautiful life of yours, the air stopped. Oh, did you do that, John? I don't... You know what? John went back there. There's no mechanical stuff back there. I don't know what he did, but maybe he prayed. But we give you the credit anyways, John. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Here's your life. And, and your life is supposed to shine bright. A lot brighter than this little illustration right now, this little candle that looks like it's struggling. But do you, does anybody see a flame there? A little bit. Okay, perfect. We'll keep going. So here's your life. But, but as your life is before Christ fullness of him, you, you feel bright, right? You do. When you come to Christ, you get rid of all the junk in your life, right? You're born again. You have joy, you have peace. You know that feeling. Oh, my Lord. You know that feeling. And I'm going to give you one more try. You're going to behave nice. I just got hot wax all over my fingers. All right. One more time. So when you come to Christ... Your light is shining bright. I, I did this at home. I, I promise. I tried it beforehand. I didn't want to do this to you guys. All right. We're going to go fast on this one. All right. So here we go. But what happens is, is I will tell you that you start conforming to the culture. This is what will happen. Oh, it's shining so bright. It's working. It is, it is just amazing. <laughs> Not only that, there's like, it doesn't even sit on the ground. I, how did that even happen? Anyways, we're just going to let that do its thing. What happens, though, in my illustration that should be working, and it's not working right now, it will begin to snuff out your life. I, I will tell you what, when you're, no, it's still there. It's still there. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> but what happens is, I'll tell you what, when your mind starts thinking like the world thinks, it will start snuffing out your life. The, the very thing that it, God has called you to, to shine your light, and by the way, shining your light, is it comes so naturally. It's not like I'm going to wake up someday and I'm just going to shine you, Jesus. It's like when you wake up and you spend time with Jesus, he can't help but shine through you because his spirit dwells richly in you. And your mind is thinking on the right things. Your mind is thinking on how good he is. Your mind is thinking what a privilege it is to be alive. Your mind is thinking about how do I love other people around me. Your mind is thinking about who doesn't know Jesus? How can I share Jesus with them? Your mind is thinking about whatever is lovely and pure and righteous and good. And, and that's what keeps your the light in your life bright and shining. But you start consuming all of the 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 stuff of the world 
the media, the TV, the, the movies, the social media, you begin thinking about the wrong things and you're, you're wondering why your life isn't shining bright anymore. It's because your thinking has taken on the thinking of the world, which is a trick to enslave you, by the way. Remember, the enemy still has power over this present world and he will find ways to trick you to feeling like it's life, but he's actually snuffing out your life. Thank you, Candle, for being nice and kind to me. Um, I'm going to jump down to verse 22. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, for for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like uh, grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass, and the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Couple things in closing on this one. Having purified your souls, it's interesting, he's saying this is not only do we, do we accept Jesus into our life, but then we walk in obedience to the truth and then he defines what that obedience first and foremost is. It's, it's not about just living a moral life. It's not just like living the Ten Commandments. It's, those are good, by the way. We should live by them. Do not lie. Do not cover. Do not steal. Do not murder. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But it's, it's the love part. It's like, how well are you loving somebody? And you know, loving somebody... Um, I know people say, hey, we need to love ourselves first, and I get that. But our, but our culture has done a really good job to make it about us. Advertisers make it about us. Our, our social media makes it about us. How many times do we have to go, you know, suck in the cheeks, girls, take a little quick pick? You know, uh, it was a girl's thing. But for guys, right, I mean, you, you post all these things about what you're doing, which is not, again, nothing wrong, but if it's, if your life is consumed by you, you have very little love for other people. And yet, the very thing that we're marked for as a follower of Jesus is how well we love each other. How well we love each other. You know that, the Bible talks about faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And we know what love is. We know uh, 1 Corinthians 14, I think, 4, 13. You know, love is patient, love is kind. All that whole, that love chapter, right? That's what love is. But faith, hope, and love, I, 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 I know faith. I, I get faith. I'm a hopeful person. I believe in my assurance, and I'm hopeful. But, but love was a hard thing for me to kind of understand a little bit, and I'll tell you what, if you really want to know what love is, a good visual expression, here's a movie I am going to recommend. I 
watched it the other night with my wife, and uh, I was just like, it's a story of Hosea and Gomer. It's a kind of a, it's not a modern day because it's taken place in the 1800s, but it's, it's the reflection of a faithful husband to an unfaithful wife, and it's the, it's the illustration of a faithful God to an unfaithful um, child of God or unfaithful, like we're considered the bride of Christ, right? So the bride is unfaithful to, to Jesus. And so the movie is called redeeming love. I knew somebody would find it. I would, I would encourage you to, if you want to know what love looks like, the movie redeeming love is, is a, now there is, there is a sensual scene in there. It's, it's not explicit, but just want to let you know if you've got kiddos, there is a, a sensual scene in there, but, but it has a real, a real story and it gripped me to say, Am I willing to go to the lengths that that husband was to an unfaithful wife? Now, I'm not talking about my own my own life, but I'm just saying that that illustration or that picture, if you will, that when somebody hurts you, are you willing to forgive? When when somebody like because the old Mark would probably be quick to I can just cut you off, chop you out of my life, and that will feel good. <laughs> Not to any of you, by the way. And this is the old mark. Because I can compartmentalize and I can kind of like, that's easy to do. We'll just cut the cord and see you later. But that's not the heart of Jesus. That's why I think I think when the scripture says, pray for your enemies, I think that keeps our heart in the right place of how do we love each other? How do we, that's the depth of love that God is wanting us to do. And when we're obedient to the word of Christ, I guess you need to be in the Word of God, right, to be obedient to it. How often are you guys in the Word of God? I would encourage you, dig into the Word of God on a daily basis, or at least go through, read the chapter before we come to church. Read First Peter chapter 2. Prepare your hearts for next week. Because there's some things that are very temporal, as I shared Last week, uh, one of my big takeaways was like, we work so hard to amass so much only to have it not go with us and so much time and lost time and energy. And sure enough, the dumpster arrived to my neighbor's property this week and here they're chucking out her life's belongings in a dumpster, right? Um, my neighbor who passed away. And I was like, wow, wow, really? That's, that's it. That's the end of our life. And I'm like, no, no, no. The, that's not the end of our life. The, the, what we need to be doing is pouring into other people's lives. We need to love them and invest in them and share the gospel with them, the good news of Jesus Christ that gives them an eternal inheritance because people who have not come to Christ will spend eternity in hell, separation from God, and those who have come into the kingdom, who are born again, come into the kingdom of light, will have eternity with a Father in heaven that loves them and cherishes them and adores them. A couple things, just as a wrap-up. What you consume is who you'll become. I'm just going to add to that, too, is the company you keep will the person you will become who are you hanging out with? Well, aren't I supposed to be? Aren't I supposed to be salt and light to a dark world? Yes, that's fine. But are they changing you, or are you changing them? Or are you becoming more, bringing more light, or is your light getting snuffed out? 
Yes, we are to go into dark places. But be watching what's going on here. Is your light getting brighter or is your light getting snuffed out? This world, I would say, is wanting a lot of our attention and is trying desperately to conform us into not the image of Jesus Christ. And the image of Jesus Christ is where you're going to find hope, love, faith, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's a place where you just have hope that in the midst of trials you have joy. That you wake up each day feeling so refreshed and incredibly overjoyed that you get to live another day for Jesus. Shining your light strongly for the king and his kingdom. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing or the washing of your mind. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, and this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together, and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.